continuing on with part two of our summer series that we began way back at the beginning of July. Uh, we know it's very hot in here, it's very warm. Remember, this is Northern Ireland. In a couple of weeks' time, some of you will be asking me to put the heating on in church. So we began our summer series, Leading as Jesus Led. And at the first sermon, we looked at the influence that Jesus had while he was here on earth and what that teaches us as people. Because I'd shared with you that for recent years, we've heard a lot in the church about leadership, leadership, leadership. But actually, what Jesus was really concerned with and what really, what really gripped him was influence. He wanted to influence people. Uh, and, and the perfect example was that was the picking of the 12 disciples that he spent three years with. I thought about this. If Jesus was only interested in leadership, when he went out in ministry, what he should have done is build a church of thousands. That, that probably would have been better. But it, it wasn't about leadership for Jesus. It was about influence. But he knew if he could influence these 12 men, and he knew if those 12 men influenced their world and the people that they came across, then that would have the greatest impact. Uh, and that is true because that's why we're here today, uh, worshipping God in living hope, because that influence has extended right down through the years. So he was influencing them in those ways for when he departed. And we said that, that leadership happens any time we influence the thinking, behaviour or development of another. Uh, so if we're parents, we have influence. You know, if, if we're around people, we have influence. Invite people for coffee, we have influence. We're in a small group, we have influence. The influence doesn't just happen all the time at the front of church like this with one person telling everybody what to do. Jesus had a variety of ways that he wanted to teach his disciples. You know, we know that he verbally taught them through parables that Jesus would use stories that people would understand uh, to make a point about about the kingdom of heaven. He, he would teach them by experience because we know on at least two occasions he, he sent them out uh, to do what he'd seen that what, what they had seen him doing. And so he wanted to teach them by experience. Uh, he responded to questions. It's very interesting. Jesus never really answered any questions. If people asked him a question, he, he tended to respond by asking another question. That was the sort of style of the day. But that's what Jesus did. When somebody challenged him about something, he would respond by asking them a question. Uh, and, and then also, also by action as well. That Jesus would teach people, not just by the words that he says, but the actions that were demonstrated, that which we shall see here in John chapter 13 and the first seven verses. It says this, it says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his owner in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. This is the night before the Passover, before Jesus goes to the cross. 
If you remember last time, the disciples were spending all their time debating about who was the greatest, who, who should have the prominent position next to Jesus. As they enter into this situation, the discussion is still going on, that these disciples are still arguing about who was the greatest. Uh, and Jesus answered this question, not with words, but by action. Because there was only one type of leadership that Jesus was interested in. There was only one type of leadership that Jesus taught, and that was servant leadership. It was to serve other people. Do you remember that in the previous story in Mark 10, when he gave his reason for coming, when he said the Son of Man uh, did not come to be served, but to serve? He declared his mission, but often with the disciples as we see them through the story, and we would have been no different, it sort of goes in one ear and it sort of comes out the other ear. Uh, and so here in this story, we see that the disciples and Jesus have arrived uh, in the upper room, and uh, what's supposed to happen is that somebody is there, a servant, a slave, uh, is supposed to be booked to wash the feet of the disciples. Uh, but nobody had done that. Uh, and so we see that Jesus takes on this role here, the servant, uh, to wash the dusty and dirt-covered feet of the disciples. It's not that he took on the role, in a sense. It's just that that was who he was. You know, often, it's sometimes when you see people, and often I, I, I can be, well, I have been guilty of this in the past. You want people to see that you're serving, so they recognize, oh, he's a servant, but it's done with the wrong motive. Jesus didn't do it with the wrong motive. He did it to teach somebody, to teach the disciples that even status or pride or dirt did not stop him from rolling up his sleeves to serve the men who had been at his side. You know, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, and to be honest with you, he could have said another thousand things. He could have done another hundred things to make any point that he wanted to make the night before his death, and he doesn't do that. It just shows this example to them of service, of being a servant. And all the way through John, Jesus, the book of John, Jesus shows these examples to people because he wants them to understand that he is primarily a servant and the way to lead is to serve. And it's why we've entitled this morning that lead is spelled S-E-R-V-E. Because at this point, you see, leadership was always associated with status and authority. With Jesus, it became service and humility. Even today, how many times do we think when we think of leaders, we think of people, even in church, uh, of those in a prominent position. A leader is somebody who tells everybody else what to do. Uh, and, and often that's the way people associate leadership. But often when we look at the example of Jesus, it wasn't to do with leadership and authority. It was to do with service and humility. Why? Because people mattered to him. Even at this point here, and we shall see further on in the story, even at this point here, it was these disciples mattered. And where we would be like, they're just not getting it. You know, tomorrow's the big day. Tomorrow's the cross. And these, these boys, after three years, they're still not getting what I'm trying to teach them. But Jesus doesn't do that. He still shows the same patience and grace and humility. You see, here he comes and we see that the disciples had walked through that dry and dusty terrain in their sandals. Uh, the, the servant had been booked and, you know, you'd imagine this, you know, wouldn't be very pleasant. It, it's not like 
Today, maybe when we sit around the dinner table and, you know, the feet are covered and nobody can see your feet, this was different. They would have been sat around a coffee table type table and they would have been lent sort of on their side and, and their feet would have been behind the person to the left of them. It's not very pleasant, isn't it? Unwashed feet. None of you were going home to the Sunday. I know if I went home for my Sunday lunch and got my big ugly clebbers out, my three girls would have something to say about that. But this is what they were. The feet were stuck behind there and they probably smelt as well. Uh, and yet the problem was nobody was willing to do it. Nobody was willing to serve except for Jesus. But the reason Jesus did it is because he understood this idea that the, the way to lead, the way to influence was this. It, it, because we look at it and we think, well, we seek thrones to rule from. Jesus seeks feet to wash. There's an obsession with people wanting to be leaders so they can be up here. But actually, Jesus says this is not about the thrones that we rule from. This is about the feet that we wash. There are enough needs for us to meet. And Jesus was teaching this. He was simply teaching that we should serve others. His teaching was, was in a sense, backwards for the day because he said, well, if, you're, if you want to be first, you have to be last. If you think you're the most important, actually, you're the least important. Actually, if you think you're here to be served, actually, your job is to serve. And none of that made sense. I mean, none of it in, in Matthew, he, he, he tells them a story. He said, listen, if, if somebody's hungry, feed them. If somebody's naked, clothe them. If somebody's thirsty, give them water. If somebody's in prison, visit them. And at the point we look at it and say, whoa, hold on a second. That's not about leadership. That's not about what was, but he's not teaching about leadership. He's teaching about service. And Jesus comes here and he, he lowers himself to do this job of the important servant, which was to wash uh, people's feet. You know, foot washing was not primarily a ceremonial custom. People look at it, I haven't put this here today because I'm going to wash your feet. Uh, because if you do that, you have to warn people. It's strange, isn't it? A few years ago, if you remember the, the guy, the Messianic uh, Jew that came to uh, preach on the Wednesday night, and Jim Weir phoned me and he says, make sure you've got clean socks on because he washes the pastor's feet. And I thought to myself, us being men like we are, you know, I thought to myself it was about March time, so April and Christmas is when we get new socks. So March was like, you know, we're three months into the old socks. So I phoned Athena and says, would you bring me in a pair of clean socks because they're going to wash my feet tonight. He says, that's the way we would be. Jesus is not checking for who's got the cleanest feet. He's not checking for, you know, well, I start here. He, he just washed them all. Uh, and it's not instilling a ceremonial custom though it does make an example of that, but it's not like baptism or communion. It's simply this. Jesus is just showing people in a way that just demonstrates what he's about and what we should be about, that we should serve one another. You see, not only do we see a perfect picture of the servanthood of Jesus Christ, we see a picture of fallen humanity because the problem is this. The ego and the pride and the vanity stopped all the disciples from washing each other's feet. They would have washed Jesus' feet, but they knew if they washed Jesus' feet, they would have had to wash all the other's feet. So none of them were willing to do that. None of them were willing to step forward to do that. It says they were jockeying for position in the earthly kingdom. 
and Jesus was trying to teach them more. He, he was saying, this is not about the position that you hold here. Our position is already given to us here. We are servants. That is who we are. We're servants because of what Christ uh, has done for us. And so here Jesus responds. He disrobes. He takes the position of the household slave and he washes their feet. His words during this shows us what we have to do. But there's something else I thought that was very interesting because we know that he comes to this most, what we would consider awkward position because he's already mentioned the one who betrays him. I never really noticed this. Uh, he knows Judas is going to betray him, but he still washes his feet. I think that's amazing. I think that's incredible that even the people who betray you are part of the master plan. That Jesus could have come to Judas and said, no, I know what you're going to do later. I know what you're going to do when you betray me later. And Jesus doesn't do that. He washes the feet of the one who is going to betray him in a few hours. That is a picture of a true servant. You see, if we want to be true servants, we can't pick and choose. We can't say them, but not them. We can't say that person, but not that person. We can't say we can help in that situation, but not that situation. It's all and everyone and everything. We're not called to pick and choose. You see, I wonder what is going through Jesus' mind as he bends over the dirty feet of Judas Iscariot. And he washes them with water and he wipes them with the towel and the role of a servant to the one who is going to betray him. He was washing the feet of the person who was going to become the biggest traitor in human history. And yet here, it tells us at the beginning, he knew his mission. He'd come from God and he was returning to God. You see, and Jesus does this and to prove that actually we don't get to choose we don't get to pick that actually our job is to serve everyone in every situation. You see, none of them were interested in washing each other's feet. And I realised another issue that was here, and I suppose I really close with this, because it's really the, the, the point that we're looking at in that, because there were three things that I noticed to start with. As I walked in the room, the basin was there, and the water was there, and the towel was there. So it wasn't, not everything that was needed wasn't there, it was already there. It says Jesus got up and he took the towel that was wrapped around himself. Now, this is the only towel I could find, so Jesus was either really thin or, you know, it was, uh, so, but that's an example of the towel. There was everything that was there. It, it tells us, that the basin was by the door and the water was there. The dirty feet were there. The opportunity to serve was already there. And often at times we look at it and we say to ourselves uh, that, oh, we don't know what to do. We don't know what we're called to do. We don't know what God wants us to do. But it made me realize looking at this story that, that we have everything we need to serve, to witness, to love, and to reach. You see, what was missing in this story was a willingness of somebody just getting up and saying, I'll do it. Says so any one of them could have, excuse me, any one of them could stood up, but they didn't do that. Jesus was the one that got up 
He says he went, he took the water, the basin, he disrobed the towel that was round him, and he went to wash the disciples' feet. Everything was there. See, for us as a church, everything is there. Everything that we need to do, what God has called us to do, is already there. Often what the problem is, is the willingness of people to do it. And you see, the willingness is found in those who say, Lord, I will serve anywhere you want me to serve. He says, Lord, I will do whatever it is that you have for me to do. Our problem as believers sometimes is this. The opportunity goes by whilst we are waiting for God to show us an opportunity. And listen, there are hundreds and thousands of dirty feet. There is everything that we need to wash those dirty feet. And there is everything that we have that we need to do what God has called us to do to reach a broken community, to rescue hurting people, to do what God has called us to do as a church. Whether it be the children, whether it be the practical help that we give, whether it be the preaching of the gospel, everything is there already. It says we just don't realise that it's there. And that's what makes Jesus the perfect servant, the greatest servant the world has ever seen. Before he goes and does what is the greatest event in human history, he washes his disciples' feet because he wants them to understand this is what you go and do to everybody else. The leadership is not about telling everybody what to do, having authority. It's about service and humility, helping people out. You cannot meet every need, but we can meet some needs. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. And that's a challenge that we face when we come to looking at what Jesus has done here as he comes to wash his disciples' feet to show us this is the way you lead, by serving. S-E-R-V-E, serve. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you today for the example of your son the father even on the night before the cross he spends his time washing the feet of the disciples that have been with him for three years to take on to be the servant and we thank you for that even washing the feet of the one who was to betray him father help us as a church for father we don't get to pick and choose who to serve the Father, those presented in front of us with a need are those that you've called us to serve, to love, to reach, to witness. And Father, help us, Father God. Father, let us not wait for opportunities. Let us not wait for the calling. Let us work towards the opportunity of service. But Father, do it in humility. For Father, that could be the opportunity that you use, Lord, to reach them to save them, to change their lives. And Father, use us as your church. Use us as your people. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen.